Hello, world. I'm Greg Patton. News and stuff. Right after this. Well, still praying about this situation down in Tri-City, Tennessee. WHCB 91.5. Transmitter blew up. Trying to figure out how to get back on the air. I've been inquiring to make sure we're going to be having share at the end of February. We'll be up and running then. They said, yes, we will. We have several engagements down there. Excited to report to you that we're going to be at the First Free Will Baptist Church in Elizabethan, Tennessee. Uh, we're going to be uh, at Lynn Valley Baptist Church in Elizabethan, Tennessee. Heard from Bloomingdale Baptist Church in Kingsport yesterday. We'd like for us to work them in someplace. God is good. Thank all of you. Those churches that have had us in the past, you pastors, bless your dear hearts. Thank you for allowing us to minister in your pulpit at any given time. What a thrill. Thank you to this radio audience for supporting us. Many of you today listening, of course, now on the live stream at whcbradio.org. Listen live and you go to the archives as well. Again, just being there, knowing that you're here, that's such a, a big deal for us at Greg Patton Ministries. Thank you so much for your prayers and your support. We do love you. Thank you. What in the world is going on? Biden finally says something truthful. That squatter in the White House on Tuesday said the stakes could not be higher after he and former President Trump, President Trump, secured victories in their respective presidential primaries in New Hampshire. It's now clear, said Biden, that Donald Trump's going to be the Republican nominee. And my message to the country is the stakes could not be higher. Our democracy, our personal freedoms, from the right to choose, uh, the right to vote, our economy, which has seen the strongest recovery in the world. What is this blowhard talking about? All are at stake, said Biden. I want to thank all of those of you who wrote my name in this evening in New Hampshire. It was a historic demonstration of commitment to our democratic process. And I want to say to all those independents and Republicans who share our commitment to the core values of our nation, our democracy, our personal freedoms, an economy that gives everyone a, a fair shot to join as Americans. You know, this guy is mental. No question about it. The sooner we get him out of the White House, the better chance we have of survival. So it happened again, and it'll continue to happen. Trump won again, but uh, President Trump didn't land that knockout blow in New Hampshire's Republican presidential primary as his last remaining major rival in the GOP nomination said, it's not over by far. We're going to keep on fighting. Why? You've all heard the chatter among the political class. They're falling all over themselves saying the race is over. Well, I have news for all of them. New Hampshire <laughs> is the first in the nation, said Haley. It's not the last in the nation. This race is far from over. Nikki, give it up. It's over. She spoke to her supporters and did her thing and just prolonging this battle, getting ready for Biden. We need to unite now. What is she talking about? The former two-term South Carolina governor who later served as U.N. ambassador in the Trump administration now heads back to her home state and she is going to get clobbered in South Carolina. 
I see there's a lot of stuff that I don't understand. In this arena, I don't think I'll ever understand politics. Bah humbug. What is really going on, do you think? It seems likely now that government officials were indeed involved in planting pipe bombs in Washington, D.C. three years ago. The thoughts from Tucker Carlson is part of an effort to keep Donald Trump from running for president again. The surveillance video demonstrating the pipe bomb charade narrated by Revolver News Darren Beatty during his interview with Carlson is damning and it's jaw-dropping. At the same time, it now turns out that the famed House Select Committee on the January 6th attack, run entirely by Trump-hating Democrats, at which throughout much of the Biden presidency has labored to advance the narrative that somehow Donald Trump led a revolution attempting to violently overthrow the United States government. What a bunch of idiots. They deleted more than 100, deleted more than 100 encrypted files from its probe in the days just before Republicans took over the House majority. How convenient. And why would they do that? What exactly was the House Select Committee on the January 6th attack? What are they trying to hide? They're trying to hide everything. For in the secret thinking of America's ruling elites, absolutely nothing is more precious, indispensable, and life-giving to their great cause than the January 6th armed insurrection at the Capitol. It's completely irrelevant to them that the events didn't come remotely close to constituting any kind of an actual insurrection. Everybody knows that. I mean by any legal or historical definition. Nor was a single demonstrator inside the Capitol armed with a weapon. Rather, what has become clear over the last three years now is that a group of Trump supporters, convinced for very good reasons that the recent election and therefore their beloved country, the United States of America, has just been stolen from, out from under them, gathered outside the Capitol to protest that garbage. Also in the crowd, it turns out, were a huge number of undercover FBI assets, informants, and agent provocateurs. Yeah, encouraging people to get in there to the Capitol. They say at least 200 of them anyway. What a mess America's in. Will we survive, do you think? So you've had it. You're, you're over making your dinner plans with that flaky friend of yours. Well, United's feeling the same way about Boeing. The airline will no longer count on Boeing to deliver the delayed Max 10 next-gen planes that it ordered. The thoughts of United's frustrated CEO, Scott Kirby. I mean, United is one of Boeing's biggest customers, and it comes after a terrifying safety incident on that Alaska Airlines, in which the door just blew off at 16,000 feet. So what's going to happen? Well, Elon Musk is known for a lot of things. He wants to put human beings on Mars and implanting chips into your brain. And somehow he's Jewish. The billionaire was attending a conference on anti-Semitism in Poland. Here's a new way to do it. Musk said he's Jewish by association because he has lots of Jewish friends. Okay. So living in today's world, how does it work really? 
A young woman was about to finish her first year of college, and like so many others her age, she considered herself to be, well, very liberal, and among other liberal ideals, was very much in favor of higher taxes to support more government programs, in other words, redistribution of wealth. She was deeply ashamed that her father was a rather staunch conservative, a feeling she openly expressed, based on the lectures that she had participated in and the occasional chat with a professor, she felt that her father had for years had harbored a selfish, evil desire to keep what he thought should be his. One day she was challenging her dad on his opposition to higher taxes on the rich and the need for more government programs. The self-professed objectivity proclaimed by her professors had to be the truth, and she indicated that to her dad. He responded by asking how she was doing in school. Taken aback, she answered rather haughtily that she had a 4.0 GPA and let him know that it was tough to maintain, insisting that she was taking a very difficult course load and was constantly studying, which left her no time to go out and party like the others do. She didn't even have time for a boyfriend and really didn't have many college friends because she spent all of her time studying. She wanted to do well. Her dad listened intently and then asked, How's your friend uh, Audrey doing? She replied, Audrey is barely getting by, Dad. All she takes are easy classes. She never studies. Barely has a 2.0. She's so popular on campus, and she thinks college is a blast. She's always invited to all the parties, and lots of times she doesn't even show up for classes because well, she's too hungover to be there. Hey, why don't you go to the dean's office and ask him to deduct uh, one point off of your GPA and give it to your friend who only has 2.0? That way you'll both have 3.0 GPA. Certainly that would be fair and that would be an equal distribution. And what you're talking about, that sounds like it would work. The daughter was visibly shocked by her dad's suggestion and she angrily fired back. That's a stupid idea. How would that be fair? I've worked really hard for my grades. I've invested a lot of time and a lot of work here. Audrey's done next to nothing toward her degree. She plays while I work my tail off. There was a silence. The father slowly smiled and winked and said gently, Welcome to the conservative side of the fence, sweetheart. If you ever wonder what side of the fence you sit on, this is a great test. If a conservative doesn't like guns, he doesn't buy one. If a liberal doesn't like guns, he wants all guns outlawed. If a conservative is a vegetarian, he just doesn't eat meat. If a liberal is a vegetarian, he wants all the meat products banned for everyone. If a conservative is down and out, he thinks about how to better his situation. A liberal wonders who's going to take care of him next. If a conservative doesn't like a, a talk show host, he switches channels. Liberals demand that those who liberals demand that those they don't like ought to be shut down. If a conservative is a non-believer, he doesn't go to church. A liberal non-believer wants any mention of God and Jesus silenced everywhere. If a conservative decides he needs health care, he goes about shopping for it or may choose a job that provides it. A liberal demands the rest of us pay for the health care. If you're a conservative and listening to this, then you'll pass it on. A liberal will be mad, offended, and do everything they can to shut me up. Get it? Oh, with all of my years in radio and television, you have people that you admire. One guy that I was always impressed with, Charles Osgood from CBS. He did CBS Sunday morning. Oh, his style, he was so good. 
He died yesterday, 91 years of age. Hey, that football game between the Chiefs and the Bills broke the record for the most watched NFL divisional round game of, of all time. Really? 56 million people watched that thing. Dwayne The Rock Johnson received $30 million in stock awards and was given full ownership of his stage name in exchange for joining the board of TKO Group, which owns WWE and UFC. Apple reportedly delayed the launch of its self-driving car from 2026 to 2028 now at the very earliest. Gallup research found that unhappy employees... <laughs> there seems to be a few of those around. Cost U.S. companies almost $2 trillion in lost productivity last year. Really? $2 trillion? Uh, if you want to be happy for the rest of your life, never mind. And finally, who said that? There are 4,200 religions in the world today, but there's only one empty tomb. There's only one man who conquered sin and death, and hell forever. There's only one way to heaven. His name is Jesus Christ. He said he was the way, the truth, and the life, right? What say ye, Patrick Henry? It cannot be emphasized too strongly or too often that this great nation was founded not by religionists, but by Christians, not on religions, but on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Oh, I like this one. Remember that if you are a child of God, you're never going to be happy in sin. You are spoiled for the world, the flesh, and the devil. When you were regenerated, there was put into you a vital principle which can never be content with dwelling in this dead world. You will have to come back if indeed you belong to the family. Charles Haddon Spurgeon. Isn't that good? Okay, where is it? Where's my Bible? Life 101, right after this important message. Well, heard from one of you today. You just bought three more copies of Invisible War on the Saints for friends to give out. Well, praise the Lord. Thank God. We hope that it's a big help to whoever you give that book to, my friend. InvisibleWarOnTheSaints.com. Got your copy yet? We have been excited with what God is doing and how many copies I'm going around the country. InvisibleWarOnTheSaints.com. Pray for us. Come back up and share a thon. Hopefully everything goes well and we're on the air and ready to go at the end of February. And in there is going to be First Free Will Baptist Church and Lynn Valley Baptist Church and Antioch Baptist Church and Bloomingdale Baptist Church. And thank you all. Appreciate so much your faithfulness to Greg Patton Ministries and listening and promoting Hello World to family and friends. And you, you know what I always say at this point. I, I don't, it's not that I know. I do love you. Well, we've been talking all this week about living like you were dying. And we've been talking about the church in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. The place being Thessalonica. Uh, the people, they were solid there in that community. And the person of Paul, we talked about his stature and what made him such a great preacher. When we ended yesterday, we talked about 
Paul and his companions bringing the good news of Christ of the Thessalonians with the firm belief that it was true. Acts chapter 17 in the first three verses there. And with the caring desire to live before the people there. 1 Thessalonians 1, 5, latter part of the verse. And chapter 2, verses 8 through 12. They came with answers and vulnerability. And they clothed the gospel of Jesus Christ with human skin. And it was real to them. They weren't just flapping their jaws in the wind. That was verses 3 through 5 as they were remembering. Then affirming verses 6 through 8 of 1 Thessalonians 1. In these verses, Paul affirmed the Thessalonian Christians for two responses they made to the gospel message. The first words of encouragement concern their personal modeling of the gospel of Jesus Christ before other Christians. You also became imitators, mimics, if you will, of us and of the Lord, having received or welcomed the word in much tribulation with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example of all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia, verses 6 and 7. And the, the second affirmation here was given because of the vigor with which they proclaimed the gospel to non-Christians. They were so excited about their faith. One reason a lot of people don't come to your churches, they see you. Seriously, where's your excitement? Where's your enthusiasm? Where's your passion? For the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you in every place. Your faith toward God has gone forth so that you have no need to say anything. Verse 8, people even far away from Thessalonica had heard the good news about Jesus Christ because of a group of Christians in one locale, took the initiative to get the word out to every place they went. Obviously, they had the right stuff. They did such a good job, and this is such a key here. Paul could hardly utter a word wherever they had been without someone saying, hey, some Thessalonians already gave us that message. We've heard all this before. How quickly the gospel would spread today if each Christian would simply do what was done many hundreds of years ago. Are you excited about your faith? Have they heard the message before you started sharing? And then 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, a really good report. You know, wherever Paul went, people told him of the change that they saw among several individuals in Thessalonica. They reported to him how many Thessalonians had turned to God from idols to serve the living and the true God, here in verse 9. That is, they turned from what was dead and leading to everlasting death to what is alive and leads to everlasting life. Tell me, that's not exciting. These believers are expectedly waiting for the coming of Jesus Christ from heaven, verse 10. So the Thessalonian Christians manifested the responsibility to take the truth to the lost and to live out the truth among those that were saved, other Christians, they saw it in their lives. And they, they also displayed their anticipation of Christ's return, but without becoming complacent in their Christian responsibility. And that's a big deal. We started talking on Monday about, again, commitment. That's everything. You're going to go nowhere without commitment. And it's a challenge for a growing Christian. From this brief portion of Scripture here in 1 Thessalonians 1, we can readily see the Thessalonian Christians, oh, they were right on target. They exemplified a balanced commitment tempered with realism in their spiritual lives. We can have what they had. Sure, you can. Today, you can have it. 
but it cannot be achieved, absolutely cannot be achieved without commitment. A good place to start is to make the same commitments that the ancient Thessalonians clearly made here. Let's look at them together and make them an essential part of our lives. They committed basically to three things. Commit yourself to Christians by standing ready to accept and support them. We need to be in this game together, one and another. We're talking about the election. You're hearing so much. We need to unify today. We need to come together. Well, Christians fight a lot because letting the flesh take over and giving place to the enemy shouldn't be. Nope. Commit yourself to other Christians by standing ready to accept them and support them. And then commit yourself to non-Christians. You probably have a lot of those in your own family. Commit yourself to them by remaining available to meet their needs with words and in deed and, and letting them see your life. It's one thing how you live in church on Sunday morning. Everybody looks good. Put on your suit or fancy clothes, whatever you wear to church, and you're looking good. You're sounding good. Maybe an amen here or there. Now, how about Monday when everything falls apart and that does not work and that job is failing? And yeah, commit yourself to other Christians so they can see your life in word and deed. And then commit yourself to him, talking about Jesus Christ, by staying free of any entanglements of this old world that keep you from living each day as if it were your last. You should be living like you are dying, my friend. Yep, here it was, ancient Macedonia, a dynamic body of people who lived in a busy, free, affluent metropolitan area known as Thessalonica. And the people there were influential. The economy was great. Its location was perfect. Everything going great. But they didn't have Jesus Christ. And so it is in your life and my life. I mean, everything can seemingly be going correct for you. And maybe you've never been happier, right? But I'm telling you, my friend, if you don't have Jesus Christ in your life, this is terrible. Sooner or later, everything comes apart at the seams, and without Jesus, then you're in big trouble. So today would be a commitment, a commitment by saying, hey, I know that I am a sinner. I know that I'm lost and hellbound, and so many people know that already, something inward there. I need to ask God to forgive me of my sins, and I need to accept Jesus Christ as my Savior today. What a message. And for all the Christians listening, you need to live as though you were dying. Let's say you have 90 days. If you had a week, what would you do starting today? I asked that question recently in my church, and one woman quickly put up her hand and said, Pastor, yes, ma'am. I would get on the phone every minute and talk to all those family and friends that have never trusted Christ as Savior as far as I know and tell them one more time going down through the Romans road on how to trust Jesus Christ as Savior and have eternal life in heaven and not hell. Wow. Live as though you were dying today, my friend. Quite a message, isn't it? I think my wife has an interesting thought here. She said, husbands, that would be me and this, are the best people in the world to share your secrets with because they will never tell anyone because 
They're never listening. <laughs> hey, you can turn a regular sofa into a sofa bed by simply forgetting your wife's birthday, anniversary, and stuff like that. Uh, I'm laughing because it's true. Hey, you've done it today. You've listened to a low world all the way through. Thank you. Join me on Facebook, Greg, G-R-E-G, Patton, P-A-T-T-E-N. If you're not with me on Facebook, do it today, my friend. Tell others about the program. I'm looking forward to coming to Tennessee and Virginia, by the way. And that's the way it is for Wednesday, January the 24th, 2024. I am Greg Patton. God bless you. Have yourself one fantastic day.